If you have your Bibles, if you'll open up to the book of Acts chapter 2, we're going to be we're going to begin in Acts chapter 2 this morning. Acts chapter 2. We're calling it the Big Bang, the big moment in history, the big moment in history where the church entered into the world and the world was never the same. It all started at Pentecost. Something big happened at Pentecost. You remember this story. You remember the story you found in Acts chapter 2. The apostles are there and there's this rushing wind and suddenly their tongues of fire above their head, these little flames of fire, they begin to speak in other people's languages. They proclaim a message that Jesus the Christ whom you killed has been raised from the dead. And the people, I believe, were terrified. They were terrified and they asked the question, cut to the heart, what do we do? And Peter responded, repent and be baptized. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a promise for you and for your children and for those who are far off. And at that moment, the world began to change. 3,000 people were baptized. And the church began to take over. Now before that moment, these apostles were very common. They were common. In fact, they were so common that they really strike us as not your typical Bible heroes. When you think about these characters, these individuals, these people in history who lived, you think about individuals who were afraid, sometimes very cowardly, sometimes a lot of doubts and a lot of questions. They weren't like the characters in the Bible, the individuals in the Bible that we read, maybe in the Old Testament. I think about people like Samson, heroes of great strength. I think about Deborah, a woman who was willing to proclaim a message of God's deliverance and how the people of Israel would be delivered in the hands of a powerful and mighty woman. Or David, King David. You remember, here he is, young David fighting Goliath, willing to fight and stand up for truth. It was the great warrior. I'll tell you, when I think of great warriors, my heart just goes aflutter. It really does. I love thinking about great warriors. In history, I love thinking about great warriors. Since I was a kid, I remember stories of of Davy Crockett and Geronimo and individuals that were just so brave. We went to, we went to uh, Scotland as Ames students and lived there. I went to the Wallace Monument and I fell in love with the character of the man. William Wallace got a picture in front of his sword, had a sword shipped to the United States. My parents thought I was crazy. I bought a kilt. I mean, the whole nine yards. It was nuts. But I just loved the warrior. Then we went to Mexico and we, we worked there and I learned about the Nino her, uh, heroes of Chapultepec. These little boys who wrapped themselves in the Mexican flag and were willing to die for a cause. And I just, man, I just love stories of heroes. When I think about heroes, I think about qualities. First quality I think about is selfless courage. Somebody who is just willing to charge into battle. They just grab the sword and they just run into battle and, man, they don't care. They're just going to run in and face the monster, face the dragon, face the giant. I think about deep determination. Someone who stands up against all odds. 
Against all odds, they rush into battle. Against all odds, you know, there's just a few of them, like the Spartans. Just a few of them rushing into battle. I think about wise perspective. The individuals who are able to look at the battlefield and with wisdom know. To know what's worth fighting for. To know what's worth dying for. I think about confident trust. People who just trust. They trust the right people. They know who to put the right trust in, who to confide in, what they can trust, who they can trust. They trust themselves. They trust their sword. They trust their companions. And finally, I think of one who places people as a priority. They are so focused on others that they are willing to give of themselves. And really, I think that's the ultimate attribute, the qualities of a warrior summarized, the willingness to lay down their own lives. And I've got to tell you that this is a very rare quality. I know very few people in history, very few people historically have been willing to lay down their lives for another. Such a great, truly rare, altruistic quality to place others above themselves. Well, I got to tell you, that is the opposite of me. That is the opposite of me. When I think about me, I want to stay on the board as long as possible. Have you experienced this? I want to stay on the board as long as possible. I don't want to leave the board as, you know, I want to be here for a while. I want to be in this, in this game of life, this, this challenge that we face. I want to be here as long as possible. You've heard of the great warrior. Here's me. I'm the great warrior. The great warrior. I'm the reverse of that. Instead of selfless courage with me, you see a selfish coward. I mean, there have been times, instead of selfish, selfless courage, I have been the selfish coward. Instead of deep determination, it's a heap of hesitation. Instead of wise perspective, it's wild pessimism. I wish I had confident trust, but I have constant doubts. And instead of placing people as a priority, I have a passion for my possessions for who I am and what I own and what I have. No one's ever accused me of being a great warrior. And there's a part of me that hates, that, that just, it, it just crumbles inside of me to think that, that there's these great people throughout history that were willing to sacrifice that way. And that's so far from who I am most of the time. You know, some are born great, some are born great. Others are raised for greatness. For the rest of us, it would take a great miracle. That's how I feel. Some people are born great, others are raised for greatness, but for me, it would take a great miracle. That's why I think I like the story of Jesus and the apostles. Because in the story of Jesus' apostles, I get both. 
I get the great warrior and I get the people I can relate to, the great warriors. I get the story of Jesus, this solid anchor. Do you see him in the middle of the table? He is so solid. And do you see all of the instability around him? It's like Jesus in the boat. This picture represents, I think, the same emotion that we see in the story of Jesus in the boat. There's this stability and all this chaos around him. Jesus, the great warrior, surrounded by the great warriors. He was a great warrior. He had some amazing qualities, selfless courage. Do you remember the story of him stepping out in Mark chapter 5? The demon-possessed man is kind of coming at him. They're in a cemetery, and the demon-possessed man is, runs to him, and Jesus steps out in front of the apostles, and he says, who are you? I love that about Jesus. I love seeing Jesus so brave and bold. His deep determination. When he re resolutely set his face upon Jerusalem, he resolutely said, I am going to the cross for you. Peter said, no, 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 you're not. He's, Get behind me, Satan. Deep determination. Wise perspective. The apostles are in crisis, and he's calming them down. I love Jesus. Confident trust. I see him praying to God. God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will. Deep trust. And finally, a people priority. One of my favorite stories is when Judas comes in with the Roman guards and Jesus says, who do you want? And they fall down on the ground. The guards fall on the ground. They, see, they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, let these other men go. He's given orders to the Roman guards who are coming to get him. When he speaks, they fall. And then he lets his people go. So was prophesied the message that he would not cause any of them to be hurt. Let them go. That is the reverse of the apostles. Selfish and cowardly. Do you remember all the times in the boat, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Selfish and afraid. A heap of hesitation. Jesus is taken to be crucified. What happens to the apostles? They scatter. They scatter. Wild pessimism. Jesus says, I'm going to go raise Lazarus from the dead. You know what their discussion is? We don't want to go because if we go, we're going to die too. Constant doubt. Who is this man? Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this man? And a passion for their possessions. Judging the people who give to Jesus because they want to take a little bit of the money for themselves. Those who would deny and betray and doubt because they care so much about this physical life. And Jesus, they don't even understand eternity. When they think about eternity, they think about it in physical terms. And they say, Jesus, when you enter the kingdom, can we sit at your right and your left? It's all about them. They aren't brave. They aren't warriors. They're warriors. 
He spoke of self-sacrifice, and all they could think about was self-preservation. And so he sacrificed himself. And when he did, they were in a state of self-preservation. Some people are born great. Others are raised for greatness. For the rest of us, it would take a great miracle. But I want you to know this. God is in the business of miracles. He's in the business of miracles. God was ready to do just that. Perform the greatest miracle that humanity had ever seen. When Jesus, who had died on the cross, after three days, raised himself from the dead. Don't believe me? Look it up. Destroy this temple in three days. What did he say? And I'll rebuild it. Jesus, who was dead, raised himself. Have you ever seen something that was so amazing you couldn't really fathom what was happening at the moment? You didn't really understand it until later? It was so big and so powerful that it took time to even process what just happened. I think the resurrection is like that for them, and I think it's like that for me. When I hear the word resurrection, it's kind of in one ear and out the other. And I don't know what it was like for them, but their initial reaction after the resurrection is not good. They have a lot of doubts. In fact, if you look at the text in Matthew chapter 28 with the Great Commission, it says even right before the Great Commission is given, they are still doubting. And in Acts chapter 1, they have a lot of issues. But something happened at Pentecost. It was a big bang. I mean, a big bang that changed everything. And part of it was the fact that they had the Holy Spirit. And part of it was the fact that things just began to start clicking. And in Acts chapter 2, everything was clarified. Everything was explained. And it was the power of the resurrection. In Acts chapter 2, the power of the resurrection changed the way the world functioned from that place, from that point on. And as Bill said last week, it sent shock waves into the world. The message of the resurrection, the message of Christ's salvation for humanity came and it sent shockwaves starting in Jerusalem and then in Judea and then to Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. But I want you to know this. Pentecost, the Big Bang of Pentecost didn't just have external implications. The Big Bang of Pentecost didn't just have external implications. It had internal implications as well. You see, God changed the world on a micro level, shaping hearts and minds. The shock waves didn't just go out. They came in too. As Peter and the apostles are proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ, the one you killed, the one you killed has resurrected. 
And when he spoke that message, it wasn't just a message that was going to change the world. It was a message that was going to change them. God began to penetrate their core beliefs. I want you to think for just a moment. What would happen? What would happen if you finally began to wrap your head around the idea of the resurrection? What would happen if you actually wrapped your head around the thought of the resurrection? Think about, think about Jesus. Jesus is hanging on the cross. Remember this? He's hanging on the cross. And he cries out and he breathes his last. And at the base of the cross, surely this is a good man. Surely this is the son of God. And Jesus dies. The sky is black and an earthquake <sighs> begins to hit. And the temple curtain is ripped open. And the dead begin to rise. Do y'all remember this story? Dead people, the saints, begin to rise from the grave. And they take Jesus and they bury Jesus in a tomb. And they put a guard, a seal, a seal over the tomb. And Jesus is freed three days later. The tomb is empty and Jesus is gone and they go back and they look for him and he's gone. They don't know what happened. And then he appears to them. First to the women and then to the men. What would happen if you could actually wrap your head around that story? If you could actually believe it, what would it do? I would, I'll tell you what I think it would do. I think it would rewrite the laws of the universe. The immutable laws of the universe at the resurrection were rewritten. You see, there was this law of the universe, and here's what the law said. You only live once. You only live once, and then you die. You only live once and then you die. That's what's so amazing about the characters in history who didn't have the resurrection. They rushed into battle knowing we only live once. They were willing to give up their one shot for everybody else. We only live once. But suddenly at Pentecost, God takes the law of life, the rule book of life, and he rewrites it. And here's what he says. You only die once. And then you live. You only die once. And then you live. And suddenly this message changes everything. It changes everything. I mean, you see it. You, can you imagine seeing it? Can you imagine wrapping your head around it? Can you imagine walking home after the crucifixion and running into somebody that you knew who died? Can you imagine the Pharisees and Sadducees and the high priest trying to bury that news? Literally? 
How many people do you think they killed a second time to bury that news? They've got more issues than the empty tomb to deal with. Let me tell you, there are people walking around who are dead. Somebody's up there sewing the curtain up. And then they've got to deal with the fact that there's all of these people walking around who had been dead. And if you could wrap your head around that, you would realize that it changes the whole fabric of the universe. The rules of the world changed. Once, you only live once. But now, you only die once. And it was a big bang moment. The big bang that changed how people saw the world. And let me tell you this. The apostles weren't born great. They weren't raised to be great. They were raised to be fishermen. They were raised to be tax collectors. They were raised to be extremists. And 50 days later, 50 days later, they were totally different people. What changed? They saw the greatest miracle in the history of mankind. God raised from the dead. So what does that do? What does that do to a person who sees it for the first time? Here's the answer. Let's turn to Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, it shows us a story of what would happen to a person if they could wrap their head around the resurrection. Here's the apostles. Verse 1, as the apostles were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came up upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, verse 16, saying, what shall we do with these men? In order that it may spread no further among the people, let's warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them and charged them not to speak and teach anymore in his name. But here's what Peter and John replied. Y'all remember? Whether or not it's right to speak about him or to, to defy you is one thing. But we will not defy God. We will speak in his name. I want you to see something about these men. These fishermen, these tax collectors, all of a sudden, the resurrection gave them courage. It gave them courage even though they were cowardly. The resurrection inspired determination for those with hesitation. It changed the way they saw the world. Why? Because they saw someone raised from the dead. When you see someone raised from the dead, you're no longer scared of dying. When you see someone raised from the dead, they cannot threaten you with heaven. 
Let's continue on, verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together in God. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speech, speak your word with all boldness. Here's what they pray. God, will you give us boldness so we can do more of this? These guys are threatening our lives. They want to kill us. Would you give us boldness to keep on preaching? These are the apostles. Did they go and read, read a book about boldness? Hey, you know what, guys? We need some boldness here. Let's go read a book. Let's go to Barnes & Noble. We'll find the boldness section of Barnes & Noble. We'll pick out a boldness book. We'll read it. We'll study it. We'll learn it. We'll come back and we'll apply it. That's not what happened. They saw someone raised from the dead. And it made them bold. The resurrection brought perspective to the pessimistic. And it created trust in those with disbelief. Let's continue on verse 12. Excuse me, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that they had anything that belonged to him that was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony of the resurrection to the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many of them were owners of land or houses, houses sold them and brought their proceeds of them, uh, what was sold, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each and any as they had need. In other words, guys... When you believe that when you die, there's more to life than just this earth. When you die, there's another life. All of a sudden, you're not so interested in collecting stuff. Suddenly, the resurrected elevated people over their mere possessions. Do you see what happened to the great warriors? Do you see what happened to the great warriors? They went from being selfish and cowardly with a heap of hesitation, wild pessimism, constant doubt, and passions for possessions, and 50 days later, not having read a book or gone through a seminar, they suddenly are selfless and courageous and with deep determination. They have wise perspective confident trust and their priority is now on people here's the question what else could so quickly change such uneducated men what could change people but the greatest miracle of all time the resurrection in the past greatness was rare but God did something truly great. He changed the way his followers saw death. And now greatness is commonplace among his new disciples. Here's what I'm trying to say. When I walk in a museum, I am blown away that there are people who would be willing to die for someone else. That's super rare. But can I tell you this? In Christianity, every single believer has that perspective. It's not rare. It's common. Why is it common? Because we believe in heaven. 
Because we have eternal souls that are going to spend eternity with him. And all of a sudden, self-sacrifice, ah, that's nothing. That's nothing. Why? Well, because this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I have a place beyond the azure blue. I have a question for you. What if instead of reading all of these books and trying to figure out all this stuff, what if we just picked up this one and we believed it? What if we just picked up this book and we believed it and we wrapped our head around it as if it were true? What level of courageousness would it bring to your life? You have a struggle this week? You scared of something? Man, I'm scared about that test. I just don't know. Hey, can I tell you something? You're going to heaven. Did you know that? I'm really, I'm really nervous about what's going to happen. If you know, Is the money going to be there? Are we going to have enough for retirement? Can I tell you something? There are treasures waiting for you in heaven. You are going to a place where there's a crystal sea. You are going to a place where the streets are as pure as gold. Gold is so common in that place. I mean, they're paving the concrete with it. That's what it is. It's concrete. God has a place for you and is beyond this world. But for you to buy into it, you have to have faith in a resurrection. Will you believe? I want to believe. It'll change the way I see my life. So I'm encouraging you today to have the courage, to have the faith, to have the conviction to believe that God can raise the dead. And if you do, I believe it will change your life forever. If you need anything from this body, won't you come now as we stand and as we sing together?